Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Greetings Grapple fans and welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Index right here on the Anfield Index podcast channel. I am your host Andy Wales here to guide you through the wonderful world of pro wrestling. Although not by myself, of course, I do require the services of my audio tag team partner, Mr. Mo Chatra. And Mo, good evening. Uh, We've not got just the one pay-per-view, we've actually got two pay-per-views to talk about this week. Absolutely. Good evening, Andy. And um, that's quite right. Um, two for the price of one this month. And uh, WWE spoiling us with uh, not only a WWE main card pay-per-view in Backlash, but um, an NXT TakeOver event to boot with uh, NXT TakeOver Chicago. So a weekend of action um, kicking off with a bonus show. Three for the price of one, in fact. Um, a WWE UK special two, which has... Um, Friday night as we record this. So, uh, yes, plenty to talk about. Yeah, just briefly on that that UK show, I mean, we do know that it's going to be voiced by JR, Jim Ross, uh, and Nigel McGuinness. So it's certainly going to be interesting. The first time those two have um, broadcast together, so that'll be an interesting dynamic. I'm quite looking forward to just how the matches are called as much as anything. Um, any words on who's taking part, what uh, what matches we can look forward to? Because, I, I mean, we know it's going to take place in Norwich. Um, that's right. So, as we talked about last week, um, the uh, show is taped in uh, Paige's hometown in the venue that's run by her family for their big shows, um, for their promotions, big shows. And um, a bit of a knock on um, Paige and her family there. Uh, but nonetheless... Um, the two um, big matches that are to air on that show are um, uh, WWE UK Championship title defence by the champion Tyler Bate against the fantastic Mark Andrews, a former TNA or Impact Wrestling star. Um, and on top of that, we've got a number one contenders match, um, which is Pete Dunne, who fought Tyler Bate in the finals of the UK Championship tournament back in January from Blackpool. Um, taking on um, a very good friend and one half of uh, uh, Mustache Mountain alongside Tyler Bate, uh, the one and only Trent Seven. So Pete Dunne against Trent Seven in the number one contenders match for the UK Championships. The winner of that um, faces uh, the winner of the match between Tyler Bate and Mark Andrews. Um, so that is airing um, Friday evening UK time. I think it's nine o'clock UK time. Um, so it might be um, just before uh, this pod does get released. But um, uh, the word is that this show, which has been taped, it's not a live show. Uh, both of those matches were reportedly excellent. And um, we're going to give spoilers away um, as we come on to uh, previewing TakeOver because um, uh, the winners of both of those matches uh, will be uh, competing at the TakeOver show. But uh for those that are able to watch it, um, the word is that it's well worth the watch, uh, especially for those two matches. Both matches said to be excellent, so uh, do check it out if you can. Yeah, absolutely, and and yeah, it's um, 
it is a little bit of a spoiler. It, it doesn't take much for it to be a spoiler because it's, you know, we know that Tyler Bate is defending the UK Championship against Pete Dunne at the NXT event, you know, because this has been advertised, this has been pushed. So slightly strange booking from WWE and certainly with the timing of it, unless uh, perhaps more, I don't know whether you know any more of this, but perhaps the originally they were going to be broadcasting this, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, something like that. Is Would, would that explain why the timing and the booking sort of clash in the way that they do? They, they're giving away the results in, in the matter of fact, aren't they? They are, that's right. Um, but um, as far as I'm aware, the shows from Norwich were never um, meant to be live broadcasts. So they were always meant to be taped and then uh, they were to air on the network um, afterwards. I think what changed, though, is that they were, they decided after um, arranging the tapings in Norwich um, to have a UK Championship match on the TakeOver card. Um, so that was a decision that was made. Um, after they put all the plans in place for um, the Norwich TV tapings. Um, so that would explain why um, it's a bit of an odd one in that uh, they're almost um, giving away the outcome of uh, both of these key matches from the show that's yet to air on the network. Um, and it's you know, widely reported that it will be uh, Pete Dunne against Tyler Bates um, at TakeOver. So... Uh, you know, that, that match will be, um, if it's, you know, close to as good as the match that they had in January in Blackpool, then, uh, we're really in for a treat. But, uh, before we even get there, um, both of those guys are involved in separate matches, as I say, um, Friday evening, um, on the WWE network. So, um, you know, plenty of great action from, um, some of the cream of the British, uh, wrestling scene to look forward to. Absolutely so. Absolutely so. Uh, I mean, switching back over to that NXT event, uh, we we did touch on it briefly last week, but you know, added to the card since has been uh, Rod- uh, Roderick Strong versus Eric Young, who's going to have uh, Alexander Wolf and and Killian Dim at ringside with him. Um, not not exactly great sort of build towards this. Is kind of just sort of plopped up and happened. It's. I don't know quite what to think in a way with with some of the characters on on NXT because we, we've had a good build here with with Roderick Strong. I mean, a good build, doesn't it? They've put a good couple of weeks of VT packages together. Um, nice sort of you know look behind of the character. So you would imagine that this is an opportunity for Roderick Strong to go over and perhaps go over strong, uh, and then look to continue to build him if if that's what they're intending to do. Well, that's right. I mean, it, it has been um, very well put together packages um, with um, you know, showing uh, kind of backstory to Roderick Strong. Uh, I mean, I, I've been following Roderick Strong's career for about 15 years now. So um, for nearly his entire career um, that he's been around in the wrestling business, I've followed him. And um, one of the things about Roddy is, is that... Uh, you know, he's, he's a very, very good wrestler, very good in the ring, bell to bell. He isn't half a bland character. I mean, he's, he's really quite boring, in fact. Um, so they needed something like this um, to just make, create a bit of interest in him because, um, you know, when he comes out there, he, he's not the most um, extravagant. Um, he doesn't come across as larger than life or um, an extrovert by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly kind of given his very unique backstory about um, you know, his upbringing and um, issues between his mum and dad. And then uh, the fact that um, obviously more much more recently he's uh, um, married to one of the uh, four horsewomen. And that's the MMA four horsewomen, uh, Marina Shafir, and obviously recently had a baby with her as well. Um, you know, all very, very interesting stuff. And, um, you know, so, so that, that, that kind of stuff is good because, as I say, um, quite a bland character um, in the ring, um, but certainly not bland away from it. And uh, you know, I, th- I think his match against Eric Young, you're right. You know, will be a, a good vehicle to try and get him over and create interest in him. And um, I'm sure they can between them have a, a pretty good match too. So uh, it is one that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it, I mean, it's 
a similar kind of thing, I suppose, for Ruby Riot, who's just come in. Uh, she's part of this triple threat match for the women's championship. Uh, her and Nikki Cross going up against Asuka. Um, I don't know about yourself, more. I'm expecting Asuka to successfully defend here, but perhaps an, a yet another opportunity as well for Asuka to further develop this, you know, this kind of arrogant heel turn that she's been going through with, I suppose, the end game being Ember Moon, once she's fit again, somewhere down the line, being the, the, the woman that actually manages to finally defeat Asuka. Um, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, just this past week, in fact, um, I was reading stuff about how um, Asuka's undefeated streak in um, NXT has now actually exceeded um, the winning streak, which was a, in the end a fake winning streak for Goldberg of 174-0. and um, So apparently that's how many consecutive wins um, she's had um, on the NXT brand. So, um, you know, it just demonstrates... Um, just how dominant she's been for quite a while now. Um, but, um, you know, she is, um, she is somebody who I think could be holding on to the title, um, till at least, uh, the takeover, um, to take place on the SummerSlam weekend. And I think you're right. I mean, Ember Moon is somebody who, um, came close, um, just prior to WrestleMania at the takeover event in Orlando. And, um, you know, it could be that she finally gets a chance at uh, the event uh, just before SummerSlam. But if that's not the case, um, NXT will soon be um, wel- welcoming two other compatriots um, from Japan, um, two of the very, very best female wrestlers in the world uh, from the Stardom promotion, um, Ayo Shirai and uh, Kairi Hojo. And uh, these two girls are every bit as good, if not better, than um, Asuka as workers. And... Uh, uh, their arrival is very eagerly anticipated. They've only just signed um, their deals. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation that they would sign over the last several months. They finally signed in the last week, and um, their arrivals in NXT are imminent. And um, it might be that um, they decide that actually Io Shirai is the woman who eventually defeats Asuka. Um, and if that's the case, then it might be that she's the one that faces um uh, ask her at SummerSlam um, at the takeover event before SummerSlam. So, um, you know, the, the female roster on NXT is one that, um, you know, we've been a bit down about um, over the last several months, but uh, with some of the recent recruits and some of the other um, younger talents coming through and developing um, reasonably well, um, the, the female division on the NXT brand is certainly pick, picking up a head of steam uh, once again. Yeah, I think it certainly has improved. And, perversely almost, is all the call-ups that have happened have almost forced them into a position where a lot of the younger and undeveloped talents, um, it's almost like there's an even playing field for them because they're all there together now rather than you know stronger ones versus weaker ones. So although Asuka is very, very dominant, it's almost like the rest, there's quite a level playing field and it's given a lot of them more opportunity to shine. So um yeah, I, I think the the NXT Women's Division is beginning to take shape again. So perhaps by the by the end of the year, the WWE will be looking at two or three more call ups to uh, to win, enhance the the two divisions that they've got on Raw and SmackDowns. So encouraging signs ahead. Hopefully, uh, we spoke last week briefly that you know we expect Bobby Roode and Hideo Tami to to have a good match and certainly that crowd should be quite amped with it being in Chicago and Hideo Tami's finishing move being the GTS that we expect it to be a good match. Uh, expect it to be quite an atmosphere in there as well. Uh, and the same for authors up in and uh, DOI having a rematch after the previous matches they've been involved in. So on the whole, you look at this card and I've got to say, I'm quite looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good event with a really, really strong crowd, which again we did mention last week. But you know, as a as a package, I've got to say NXT Chicago. You know, this is this is an NXT event that I'm looking forward to again. Much like we were in the position of last year, where you know every few months would come along and you'd really look forward to them because on paper you knew you had a good crowd, a good card, and you knew that you would have a hot crowd. Oh, totally, yeah. I mean, um, I think this one should blow away 
um, NXT TakeOver Orlando from um, early April. I really do think that. I think um, all of the matches on the card, um, we know about five of them thus far, um, have the potential to be great. All five. Um, Roderick Strong and Eric Young. Um, I mean, Strong on his day can be a fantastic worker. And uh, if he's got his working boots on, you know, he could put together a really, really good match. I think that might be the opener, in fact, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it will be really good. Water Pain and DIY, um, you know, we've seen uh, some of the greatness that they can pull together. And, um, you know, DIY are just one of the best tag teams in the world, and they can carry anyone to a good match. Um, Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn, I'm expecting great things from them. Um, the three-way for the Women's Championship, Asuka, Nikki Cross, Ruby Wright, um, again, you know, three very talented women, and um, you know, I'm expecting them to uh, certainly have the best NXT women's match we've seen in, um, what, a good six, maybe nine months. Um, and then, obviously, the main event. I mean, Bobby Roode and Itami. Um, you know, I mean, Itami was a guy who was maybe about 10, 12 years ago, one of the top 10 best workers in the world in pro wrestling, Noah. Just a phenomenal worker. Um, he, he's not as good a worker as he was. I mean, he's still only 36, but injuries have taken a toll. I mean, if you see him now, I mean, it doesn't look quite in the best of shape. Obviously, he's got that big scar on his shoulder. Um, so he certainly suffered with injuries, but um, he's somebody who um, can still really um, deliver. He's, he has been an elite level worker for a number of years. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, if, He's motivated and really wants to prove a point, especially in front of that live VNXT crowd in Chicago. Um, you know, there's no reason why Tommy and Rude can't have a great match. So uh, all things considered, it, it really, really should be um, one of the best WWE um, events of 2017. I, absolutely. I Like I say, I am looking forward to it. I've just got one final uh, point on NXT. Now, Drew McIntyre, uh, who's also known as Drew Galloway, you know, has come back to WWE. He's coming in at NXT, and he feels like a star. That he just kind of, I don't know, there's something his aura about him. He looks more confident. You know, he comes out, and you don't see the jobber that he was, the role that he was cast in before he he was released, and then went around the Indies and you know really built himself up. The guy carries himself like a bit of a star, and, he, and I think that he feels that way. On the other hand, we've got Cassius Ono, uh, also known as Chris Hero. Um, and I've got to say more, I, I'm not quite sure what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't know whether it's um, the promos. I don't know whether it's you know the ring attire, the way that he's, 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 he's dressed. Uh, I don't know whether it's a matches. I'm not quite sure exactly what it is, but there's something about the package. It's just not, it just doesn't ring star to me. It, you know, it doesn't shout out to me. And, and I, and I, I don't know. I, I've, I've got concerns that, you know, another six months down the line, we could well be seeing him being released again, you know, or, or him requesting for his lease be released because, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be working for me. Is do you, do you think there's there's something missing there, or does he need to do something differently? Um, I mean, I've just been on a catch up of NXT today. Um, I actually hadn't seen NXT since WrestleMania, so I've uh, caught up on the shows uh, today. And one of the things that um, I mean, you're quite right. I did pick up is that. He certainly hasn't been um, one of the pushed and prominent um, talents on the NXT weekly show, which is a surprise given that um, it was a big deal that they brought him back um, and with a fair bit of fanfare too. I mean, this is a guy who I rated as the second best worker in all of professional wrestling in 2016. He just had so many great matches. It was just ridiculous. And that was the reason why they called him back. I mean, it's often the case that when WWE lets people go, they don't bring them back. But um, he was so strong, uh, having so many great matches against a variety of different opponents. Um, they just couldn't help but you know bring him back. They thought he was that good. So the fact that they've barely used him on TV, at least, um, since his return, 
he's a bit strange and a bit bizarre. Um, I, I think there's a bit of a longer term game with him, though. I think that they want to um, progress a couple of storylines, give him a bit of a slow build. I think that um, NXT takeover um, prior to SummerSlam is where he'll feature much more prominently and uh, possibly even be the next opponent for Bobby Roode. I mean, they haven't exactly got a huge amount of um, established talents that can uh, come across as viable opponents for Bobby Roode, um, but um, that, that's something that they can certainly do. I mean, in terms of um, making that kind of impression on the audience, um, one of the things that Chris here obviously hasn't got going for him is his physique. Um, he's got a pretty ordinary physique, um, you know, yeah, but I, I think I think that's you know I, I think fans can can accept that you know you, you look at you go straight to the main roster you know there we are you know the new face of America he's a star isn't he you, you know what I mean you, you look at his physique he's a star it doesn't matter about his physique I think if if it, just the way he carries himself the way he comes across you know and 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 look. You know, Chris Hero, Cassius Ono, he's not the size of Kevin Owens. He's not, you know, there's not that physique. He's better than that. And it's like, but I just don't understand why he hide it in 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 poor attire. I don't know. Was was he was he wearing that kind of attire when he was Chris Hero, or was he just working in in normal wrestling tights? No, I mean he wore normal wrestling tights. Um, usually didn't wear a top either. Um, you know, he just wrestled like an old pro wrestler. Well, he just dressed like an old pro wrestler. Obviously, the kind of gear he's had um, in NXT, um, they're actually putting it on him to try and hide his physique. Um, but if anything, it just makes him look worse. And I think yeah. you make quite a valid point there. Um, you know, they need to let Chris Hero be Chris Hero. And when Chris Hero is allowed to be Chris Hero, um, he, he's just such a great talent and such a an absorbing character and somebody who can get over well in much the same way that Kevin Owens was allowed to. I mean, they let him be Kevin Owens. Um, he was the same guy that we saw in the Indies as Kevin Steen. And they didn't really try to do anything much different. And um, you know, they need to put the fa- same kind of faith and trust in um, Cassius Ono because if they do, um, you know, they've got another very, very valuable asset. And they, they've got to also remember one other thing as well. Um They've brought in a lot of talent from the indie scene over the last two or three years. And a lot of these guys are in their mid to late 30s, even coming into their 40s. You know, your um, uh, Austin Aries, your Bobby Roods, your Eric Youngs, um, Chris Hero, Cassius Ono, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I could go on and on. And, um, you know, time is ticking. You know, these are not younger guys. I mean, even Finn Balor. Um, as young as he looks, he's 36 years of age. He's older than Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for God's sake. Um, you know, so, you know, they can't really um, mess about with these guys because, you know, these are guys that have worked, you know, very, very tough um, kind of matches in the ring. And they're all, um, you know, carrying injuries that they've had for a number of years. And, you know, the time will come for a lot of these guys that three, four years down the line, they simply won't be able to go in the way that they could go uh, for much of their careers. So now's the time to really capitalise on them. And that's why I hope that um, it's not long before um, Kashishano um, in, ends up on the main roster because that's where he belongs. He's as good a talent in the ring as anyone in that company, trust me. And uh, it's just a shame that thus far he's not been able to show it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, yeah. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. Uh, make the most of what you've got with the time that you've got left. And I uh, well, mentioned the main roster there. You know some of the guys you've talked about. Obviously Shinsuke Nakamura. He's um, you know he's a headliner. He's a guy being really pushed around this backlash event. You know they've built the the um, the promos around him. So certainly looking forward to it. Um, kind of mixed views on on how that's been built as well. I must admit how they've used uh, Nakamura. I-, I like that we haven't really seen him in, in a match yet because it builds that anticipation, but I'm not so sure about um, 
some of the promo side of it. Um, question I've got though is is just around the backlash event with him being kind of the focal point of this event. Do you have him go on last, or do you have AJ Styles or Kevin Owens go on last, or do you have the WWE title match going on last, which is, in all honesty, is likely to be a bit of a stinker and perhaps not the best way to end a show. Uh, I mean, if it's up to you more, if you're booking the event, which which of the matches goes on last for you? For me, it has to be the championship match. Um, as uninspiring as it is um, with Harlan and Orton, um, it's still the WWE championship. It's the main title um, that this company's had going back to its um, formation in 1963. Um, so for them to relegate it to the mid card on the SmackDown pay per view, which you know ultimately is still the number two brand in the company, uh, would be a new low for that championship belt. So uh, you know they need to have it go on last, um, but have somebody like um, the Nakamura Ziggler match go on, perhaps um, two matches before the main event, and, and typically WWE does that that they'll uh, put on a big match. Um, three matches from the top then have a what they call a downer type match just to bring the crowd down um, and they might just go for the six, six women tag team match um, prior to the main event just like they did um, if you remember at Wrestlemania uh, we had um, one of the uh, women's matches just before the main event at Wrestlemania and um, that, that's a fairly common tactic and then they can go with Orton and Mahal in the main event, I'd be very surprised if the WWE Championship isn't the main event. Albeit, you're quite right. Um, Nakamura has certainly featured uh, very, very prominently um, in the build-up towards Backlash. Yeah, I mean, the, the old school in me absolutely agrees with you because yes, it's a main championship. It's, it's really speaking, it is the main title in that company. It's just that it's not been perceived in that way lately because the way it's been booked, the way it's been passed around. Uh, and it just doesn't feel as prestigious as as it should be. Um, but the other side of it is, I just think about how you play that crowd. You know, where you're getting the crowd up, and then they're going to go down. And the you know people, you're going to go. That show goes off the air unless they do a big surprise, and Jinder Mahal actually wins the title. You know, that show goes off the air in pretty uninspiring fashion. I feel. I mean, could it be that they, they do it that way, though? Do, do you think Jinder Mahal can win this? You know, are, are they that serious about hitting the Indian market? And and obviously, not only that, but they do like to throw surprises in here and there. Well, they do. That's right. Um, but I, I feel that um, they would feel even um, in wanting to create some kind of uh, traction with the Indian audience, which is um, by certain metrics, their second biggest market. Uh, by other metrics, it's third biggest market. Um, if they want to really get a native character over in Jinnah Mahal, um, you know, they can do that without putting the main belt on him because, you know, whilst it might get him over slightly bit more than um, – if he doesn't win the title, um, I think it would be more damaging um, in its biggest uh, market, namely the United States of America. And um, that's why I think that they won't go all the way with Jinder Mahal just yet. Um, and I think the booking over the last several weeks on Raw, sorry, on SmackDown, has certainly suggested to me that they won't go all the way. Uh, Jinder's been put, you know, put over very strong um, has and victory after victory um beat aj styles this past week and um that for me is a telltale sign that um you know he'll be losing it um backlash this weekend and it'll be autumn that will retain the title um but they might then decide actually uh, let's go back to mahal and styles and it could be that styles win the wins the united states championship and they might decide that the next um, smackdown pay-per-view it's Mahal that beats Stars for that belt and they eventually do put a belt on him and they can perhaps tour India uh, with Mahal as a champion, albeit not the WWE champion. 
Yeah, that, that again, I mean, that's that's a possibility. And the only thing from that is, again, you're hot shot in a belt about, and they, they seem to have done that so much this year. And, and I, I, I don't like it. I know that occasionally you will move it here and there just to free things up so it's not quite so predictable, but it feels like there's just way too much hot shot in the belts this, this year. They've been like hot potatoes. Well, and, that's and right. it just I does mean, nothing for the title, though, does it? No, no, it doesn't. But um, in in the days when they actually gave a shit about their TV ratings, um, they really wouldn't hotshot the belts around in the way they have. And um, obviously they did in the Attitude Era when Vince Russo was around because he saw no value in the titles. He saw the titles as nothing more than props. And, um, you know, after he moved on, they went back to a more sensible approach to uh, booking titles and uh, title changes generally uh, weren't occurring as frequently. Um, and obviously, as we've talked about several times this year, title changes have occurred with alarming frequency. Uh, and that, I think the reason for that is that um, they really are generally no longer concerned about TV ratings. TV ratings at the moment are at record lows for Raw and SmackDown, albeit SmackDown has had some decent weeks of ratings. Um, most r- ratings are at 20-year lows, and uh, you know, it, that, that is so poor, really, really poor. But they don't care because um, they're making more money than ever. The network um, subscription numbers are doing well. Their TV money is just ramping up uh, because of deals signed several years ago. So there's no real need to worry about TV ratings so therefore, um, putting out title match after title match to make title belts mean um, less than they perhaps did a year or two back, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because the, the, the key thing that matters to them is making money and they're making more money than ever. Yeah, I, I suppose, but I, I always think that, well, you know, if your ratings keep going down and going down, then eventually the money's going to start going down as well. So... But, well, you would have thought uh, that, yeah. I mean, yeah. their TV rate, their TV deal, their main one in the United States, I think it's not due for another couple of years. Um, I had um, actually thought it was due this year, but it isn't. It's actually got, it was a five-year deal, so they've got another two years left on it. And uh, certainly for the next year, well, up until the time they want to start negotiating the deal and putting it out, the feelers out there to other networks to see, okay, what kind of money can we make? Um, I don't think they'll worry too much about ratings and the fact that they have um, dipped to alarming levels um, just yet. But uh, that, that, that's um, you know, part of the, the fact that you know, um, we see so many title changes because uh, you know, they just ultimately don't care about ratings anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, talking title changes there, then do you expect... AJ Styles to to win the US title from Kevin Owens because I've got to be honest as much as I think AJ Styles is is a great title holder for WWE and I think he did an awful lot for the for the WWE title I don't see him winning the US title here I I think the I think if they're sensible they'll move him back into the the main title picture and probably get the belt back on him Perhaps for a you know a showdown at some point with with um, Shinsuke Nakamura, which would be phenomenal, uh, and I'm sure we're all dreaming of that. But um, personally, I'd I'd be opening the show with uh, with AJ and Owens, and I think it's going to be a fantastic match and just lots of fun, which which I think it always is with Kevin Owens, and it's it's nice to see the nasty side coming back out of him lately. Well, that's right, yeah. Um, less of the comedy, obviously, now that he's away from Chris Jericho, um, he can go to being a little bit more serious. Um, and it will be interesting, I mean, which way they go with this. Um, I think that Kevin Owens, you know, there, there needs to be a purpose for him to come over to SmackDown and for it to mean something. And for me, um, the only way that Kevin Owens moving to SmackDown can mean something is for him to be in that um, WWE title picture. And for that to happen, um, you know, given the fact that he's a heel, I think that it might just be that he has to drop the, t- the title. Um, and obviously, Orton is still pushes a face. 
even though certainly um, online he's got a weird way of showing it. But, you know, perhaps we'll talk about that later on. But um, you know, as, I, as I speculated, I think Randy Orton will retain the title, um, and then obviously he needs a heel um, adversary, and um, I just don't think that they'll want to make that program title versus title. Um, they can use the United States Championship for something else. Um, and I think now is the time to start building Owens and Orton as a good program to be um, the feature program on SmackDown. And um, so for that reason, I think that Owens will drop the belt. Um, but the next night, sorry, two nights later on the live SmackDown, um, you know, he'll let Randy Orton know that that belt around Orton's waist is the one that he's really after. So uh, that's where I see that one going. Um, and uh, I think for that reason, AJ Styles will win. So just looking elsewhere on the card more, I mean, one I, I'm not normally one for the pre-shows. I, I must admit, I, I generally don't watch them. I'm not in, into them. But there was one that caught my eye there, and it's Ty Dillinger fighting on the pre-show up against Aiden English, which I mean suggests to me that it's going to be a squash match, which is fine. Um, but kind of curious to me. I mean, Ty Dillinger came in; they they made him feel like a bit of a star. They they gave him a bit of a push, and he was getting over nicely. Then all of a sudden, he's kind of disappeared off TV for a couple of weeks, and now he's on the pre-show. Um, slight, just I'm just quite curious by this, uh, and and. I don't know. Is that the best the best thing for him? You know, to to wrestle a meaningless match on a pre-show, or you know, if he needed to be off TV for a couple of weeks, maybe you know, a minor knock or something like that. Maybe just just bring him back on TV. You know, and continue the push that way. Am I old school? <laughs> no, I think the reason why they've decided to put him on the pre-show is um, obviously the first match on shows generally gets a good reaction. And uh, what better way to get the crowd really hot than to bring in one of their cult favourites um, to open the show with in Ty Dillinger. And, you know, Ty Dillinger, Chicago crowd, opening match, pay-per-view. Um, it's got all the rest, all the ingredients for, a, you know, a really, really great way to kick off the show. Albeit not the main show, obviously. Um, it will be the, the pre-show. But um, I think that's the logic behind it. But, I mean... Again, you make a, a very valid point. Um, uh, slightly confusing use of Tyler Dillinger um, brought in with a fair bit of fanfare a few weeks ago, um, made his long-awaited main roster debut um, after having served um, a fine stint on NXT where, you know, through his own hard work, um, got over tremendously well on the back of that 10 chant. And, uh, you know, since then... Um, Slightly questionable how they, they used him. But again, it might just be a case of them wanting to um, push other people ahead of him and um, he'll just have to wait his turn. Um, but at the very least, I think that um, you know, he'll go out there, put in a good performance, be over like Rover and uh, kick off the pre-show um, better than pretty much anybody can on that roster at this moment in time. Uh, well, talking of... Um... <laughs> questionable use of, of someone Sami Zayn you know it, the long was it was a long topic of um, overall you know the, it, it wasn't really the right fit for him his character his style he was more suited to Smackdown we thought you know if they could just move him across it would make sense you know we thought he'd get used better he's come across to Smackdown and as yet it feels like he's just not got going, you know, as though he's still kind of perpetually in the same position he was in on Raw, where he's just kind of floating around and they don't seem to really have an idea what to do with him at the moment. Um, do you think this is just kind of a holding period uh, and they'll maybe get behind him sometime in the near future? I, I think they will. Um, but I say that with a bit of hesitation because... Um, it's been carrying on for quite a while now. I mean, if you remember, in his last several months on the Raw brand, um, you know, he was the designated jobber or glorified jobber at that for uh, Braun Strowman. And that feud really didn't do 
know, great favourites for um, Sami Zayn. Obviously, prior to that, he'd um, been working uh, for quite a while, predominantly with Kevin Owens, and uh, some of the work that they did was very, very good. Some uh, excellent matches last year between the pair. And um, you know, his kind of momentum did certainly take a hit. And what what is bizarre to me is the fact that um, if everyone on either side of the main roster on Raw or SmackDown that um, has that kind of plucky, um, likable, relatable underdog vibe about him, the way that Daniel Bryan had and what got him so over. Um, Sami Zayn is the one that has got the closest type of personality and uh, vibe and aura about him in that kind of Daniel Bryan kind of way. And uh, you think that, you know, with Daniel Bryan obviously having to retire last year, you know, they bring Sami Zayn in to effectively replace him in that kind of role. And, um, you know, it's only so long that you can continue to bury people and treat them as glorified jobbers before people, the fans give up on them. And I think they're in danger of doing that if they continue with this. And, you know, they were jobbing him out to a monster in uh, Strowman on Raw and they brought him over to um, SmackDown and they're jobbing him out to another monster, albeit a little bit less scary in Baron Corbin. Uh, but nonetheless, jobbing him out all the same. Obviously, he's even lost to uh, uh, Jinder Mahal clean in recent weeks as well. So, um, you know, it's not been it's not been a great move for him thus far. But I can't imagine that this will continue much longer. He's just far too talented, um, exceptional in the ring, very good promo, good personality, um, gets over with the crowd most weeks when he performs. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before he gets a stronger push. And I'd certainly hope and expect that um, towards the end of the year, we start seeing him moving into the title title picture, and that is the WWE Championship, not the United States Championship. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what kind of match he gets out of Baron Corbin, and you know, who who knows? P- perhaps um, a well booked victory over Corbin can be the springboard for him to to move on, and uh, maybe maybe you know the US title would be a, a good place for him to start. Then you know, um, sometime in the near future. So. Uh, He's, he's hoping that they do make the most and, and you know, yeah, Sami Zayn has more of the um, more of the Daniel Bryan than the Dolph Ziggler about him. <laughs> let's let's hope it's more in that direction. Um, there's another match on there, Luke Harper, Eric Rowan. I'll be honest, I don't have any great appetite to really say much about this because it's it's been sprung up. Um, I, I'm I can't say I'll be looking forward to that one. Perhaps that would even be the match that um, is is the the downer, as as you mentioned earlier, before before the main event. Because I, as as good as Luke Harper is, and he is a really really good worker, and he's underutilized. I don't think even he can get anything meaningful out of Eric Rowan. Well, that's right. Um, as you say, Harper's a very talented worker, but Rowan um, is certainly at the other end of that scale. Um, I still think they can potentially have a half-decent match, but one that five minutes after it's finished, nobody will really remember or care much about. It's purely a filler match. Um, there is a buffer between a couple of the more meaningful matches, um, as, you, as you kind of suggested. Um, you know, if it, if it was a loser loses his beard match maybe that would make people a bit more interested in it but um, no it's just a straight up singles match and uh, you know Harper almost certainly will go over and you know he will then move on but um, other than that nothing more to really say about it no um, certainly not the tag team titles now American Alpha it's concerning the way that they've not really got over at all on not being utilised too well. We know that somewhere in the near future, uh, New Day are going to be coming across the SmackDown. We're going to be seeing them. So the Usos coming up against um, Breezango, the fashion police, um, they, they've been getting quite a push lately. 
Can you see anything other than the Usos getting a good victory here? No, I can't, no. Um, it's nice that they're doing a little bit with Breeze and Fandango because um, Breeze in particular is actually another you know, very talented, underutilised talent on that brand. But um, they're purely a comedy act and it's rare um, for a pure comedy act to get um, a title um, so especially the WWE Tag Team Championships so uh, I just don't see it happening I think the Usos will retain and um, a couple of nights later on Smackdown um, they'll then um, have uh, more meaningful opponents unveiled and uh, if not then we'll probably have I don't know a, a three-way number one contenders match or something like that uh, to identify the next opponents but I'd be absolutely shocked if um the fashion police become the tag team champions, even though, um, you know, beneath, you know, those lousy gimmicks and comedy characters, there are actually a couple of pretty decent workers there. But uh, no, it, it, the use shows to retain all day long. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this is just, um, again, a placeholder until uh, the new day come in. Uh, and that's the, that really is the food that we're going to see. The more meaningful program is the Usos. I like the Usos as heels. I think it you know, seems to suit them quite well and the way they've developed. The Usos versus New Day in this format, I think it is going to be good and I'm quite looking forward to that. And, and like yourself, you can't see any way that these titles change hands. But, you know, the WWE being the WWE, uh, who knows? But so the, the, the last match to, um, to finish off the card, and we, we have alluded to it, is is of course Nakamura up against Dolph Ziggler. Now you know we're talking about Dolph Ziggler and that how you know how booking someone into oblivion eventually you know they go from being the underdog to people just don't care anymore. And I think Dolph Ziggler is probably the best example of just how people have gone from really caring and wanting him to to succeed. You know, you think back to him cashing the, the briefcase in and the, the huge pop he got the night after WrestleMania to how he is now when fans really don't care. And even ch- sw- uh, switching over and becoming a heel it hasn't done an awful lot for his character. But I've got to say, Mo, I am really looking forward to this match just in that I haven't seen an Akimura match for a, for a little while. and And I think these two could really, really tear things up. Oh, they certainly could. Um, you know, they're going to be, as you talked about earlier on, in front of Chicago, which is perhaps, well, arguably WWE's um, most vociferous live crowd in the United States. And um, especially in front of that audience, um, you know, they'll be you know, very, very firmly rooting for Nakamura. And so he'll get a really, really superstar reaction out of that crowd. Um, so it'll be... Uh, an amazing atmosphere without question. Um, and the match itself should be really good as well. I think Ziggler's, you know, somebody who's, um, you know, despite, despite having obviously lost a huge amount of momentum and somebody who's really not seen as a big star anymore, um, still a, a very good worker. And, um, you know, on top of that, uh, Nakamura, when he's motivated, um, can be absolutely exceptional. Now, and I say that because um, there are a lot of reports that um, you know, on various house shows on NXT and um, even on SmackDown live shows um, really has phoned it in for the last year. Well, for people who don't understand what that means, it means that uh, you know, he, he doesn't really um, work as hard in the matches as we perhaps have seen in some of the bigger uh, takeover matches that we've seen him work in um, and certainly uh, compared to what he used to do in New Japan uh, but um, he'll be in front of a, a big sellout crowd um, they'll all be uh, you know, lapping up everything that he's got to give and um, you know he'll get a superstar reaction and I think he'll respond accordingly I think they'll have a really good match and um, it will be a perfect way to really make him seem like a big big star and they need that because um, this is a brand that is certainly lacking in stars, especially given that Cena, John Cena, has pretty much become a part-time worker now. And, um, you know, he's a guy that I think we'll have to get used to seeing 
turn up for three, four months, then disappear for four or five, return again, um, and that will be John Cena from here on in. Um, so given that he's no longer a full-timer, um, they need people like Nakamura to uh, help carry the brand. And um, I hope that the match against Nakamura, against uh, Dolph Ziggler can certainly help him uh, become that valuable asset that SmackDown needs. Yeah, I, I think there's... Um... The similarities here in the way that he was built at NXT as well. You know, he he came in obviously had the star of, had the feel of a big star, was put over as a big star, and they didn't throw him straight into the title picture. You know, they they, they held off a little bit before they uh, they went for that. So it it could be a similar kind of vein here. You know, the scene, the formula that works. So hey, why not recreate it? Why? As we mentioned earlier with, you know, people from NXT, you know, who were indie stars, why try and reinvent the wheel? So if it works, use it. So, I mean, that that's the NXT Chicago and uh, the Backlash pay-per-view. On the whole, Mo, I've got to say, I'm looking forward to watching both events. Uh, what about yourself? Are you feeling quite positive ahead of the weekend? Tremendously, yeah. I'm really looking forward to... Uh... All three nights, um, as I say, as I said earlier at the start of the pod, um, as we take this, we've got um, the WWE UK Network special uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, and um, two excellent matches to feature on there. Then we go into the Takeover show um, on the Saturday night, um, which should feature at least three excellent matches, with the potential for all five matches to be really, really good. And then we go into the main event um, with Backlash on the Sunday night, uh, which should feature at least two or three really good matches too. So um, three great nights of um, shows to look forward to on the WWE Network. So uh, you know, very, very um, excited about that. Yeah, lot, lots of positivity. Um, before we go, though, uh, one person who perhaps despite being the uh, the WWE champion, perhaps not quite feeling quite so positive about everything. Uh, I know you alluded it to uh, alluded to it um, slightly earlier. Uh, Randy Orton, he's been sending some tweets out, hasn't he not? Um, having a bit of a dig at a few people. Yes. Um, quite the uh, talk of the uh, uh, wrestling uh, social media um, universe, if you want to call it that. And, uh, you know, he's been, uh, playing the blinder here. He's obviously a guy that, um, has spent pretty much his entire career in the WWE, um, spent a bit of time in, um, the WWE's old developmental territory, Ohio Valley Wrestling, uh, which used to be run by Jim Cornette, um, was there for only about, I don't know, six, nine months, maybe a year before he was called up to the main roster around 2000 and, one, two time. Um, but for all intents and purposes, hasn't really spent any kind of a career in the independent scene. And, um, yeah, it was, um, making, um, several disparaging tweets, um, earlier in the week about, um, indie wrestlers and especially their, uh, um, fondness for dives, flips and, uh, work in a very high spot intensive style. And, um, that seemed to upset quite a lot of, uh, independent wrestlers and um they uh, reacted um, as you'd expect them to and uh will osprey who um i rated as the best uh, in-ring worker in all pro wrestling um in 2016 and somebody who's got an amazing uh, career ahead of him almost certainly will see um the inside of a wwe ring in his future um was responding to some of it um, as well, albeit in a in a diplomatic way, uh, but there were others uh, like Bully Ray, who uh, sorry, um, uh, uh, Dave, not Devon, um, the other Dudley boy, Bubba Ray. There we go. <laughs> he used to be known as Bully Ray in TNA, of course. Um, but uh, Bubba Ray Dudley was also um, having a bit of a t- Twitter spat with uh, Randy Orton as well. It was Randy just having a bit of fun. Um, because um, he knows that um, obviously there's a lot of guys on the independent scene that um, you know, work a very, very physical style, um, flips and flops everywhere. And I mean, he, he does make a good point. I mean, he's saying, look, um, you guys are breaking your bodies and injuring yourselves, you know, diving and doing all kinds of crazy moves for um, you know low payoffs. And I'm there 
working in far more safer style, making far more money. And obviously that will be perceived as arrogant. But um, the point he's making is, look, you don't have to break your necks, break your backs, um, leave yourselves with permanent damage that you'll really regret in later life. Uh, by doing all this crazy stuff, you can still become a star without it. Um, but he's doing I, it in a bit I, of a, you know, yeah, well, I've got another way to that for me as well. I, I probably the old school in me is I, I see it, the psychology of it as well. Uh, you know, if you're doing, you know, 10 dives, if everybody, if every single match has, you know, two, three suicide dives and flips over the top and all the rest of it, it doesn't feel special. It's it's just another move. And, and, I, and I just think in the psychology of things is, you know, Use these moves sparingly here and there, and they're more special. Not only is it, yeah, taking less toll on your body, but they just feel a bit more special. It gets a bigger pop. It means more. And I think there's I think there's that element to it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that's another point that he's making, and um, certainly a lot of the old-school workers um, you know, used to work in the 70s, 80s, etc. Um, would certainly agree with Randy Orton, his kind of sentiments that, um, you know, limit you know, these high, high spots, the bigger spots, um, as you say that they mean more. Um, but, um, the way that wrestling certainly outside of the WWE has moved is that it's become more high spot orientated and you certainly get more, um, big spots in matches than you used to, you know, 10, 20 years ago. I mean, there were the odd promotions that obviously even back in the nineties would have a very high spot intensive style, um, promotions like all Japan women, Michinoku Pro Wrestling, ECW, uh, CMLL, AAA, uh, promotions like that, um, you know, we're pioneering that kind of stuff. And that's where the likes of Rey Mysterio Jr. Um, and his like, um, you know, psychosis, etc., cetera, um, made their start and, you know, made their names in promotions like that. I think that all of these different types of stars have got their place. For me, there's no right or wrong way of wrestling. Um, you know, you can have a classic match with very few high spots. But you can also have a classic match with tons of high spots. Um, you know, if you think back to um, early this year, um, there was a huge amount of buzz about um, Kenny Omega against uh, Kazchik Okada, um, which was the match that famously, the first match ever in 30-plus years that Dave Meltzer was rated at six stars um, from the New Japan Tokyo Dome show on January 4th. And um, that had so many spots it was incredible 40 minutes plus match um but it, it was just an incredible match even with tons of high spots whereas i've seen other matches this year with you know um much fewer high spots um, that were very very different but still equally as absorbing um so you know i i was um at one point in time of that kind of mindset that lots of high spots is a bad thing but um, it very much depends on the context. And if you work it smartly, um, it, it means that, you know, for example, a power driver, um, you know, in one type of match means more than in a match where you see it delivered five times. Um, but um, the way that some of these um, workers can you know, assemble matches um, is just quite incredible. And, you know, the, the other point to make about these more high sport intensive matches is that obviously, um, that those matches are a bit more um, unrealistic, a bit more far-fetched in terms of the logic, in terms of what you're seeing. But um, you know, fans increasingly now um, don't really look for matches to be uh, something that resembles a fight or athletic competition like a UWFI type of wrestling match. Um, you know, they increasingly just see it as entertainment now. And therefore, um, it's a bit more easier for guys to have 500 high spots in a match and for it to still get over than perhaps they could in front of uh, Western audiences uh, maybe 20, 25, 30 years ago. Yeah, that's it. There's, there's a di- diverse audience out there and there's diverse styles. So uh, variety is the spice of life. So uh, Randy Orton might have had a point, but um, sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So there you go. A nice way for us to uh, to sign off. Uh, one final thing before we do go, Mo. Um, do you have 
anything out at the moment? Any uh, any latest articles that you'd like to plug? Um, none as yet. No, not not at the moment. Um, but um, as I mentioned last week, um, I should be having a TNA uh, feature in the uh, June issue of the uh, Total Wrestling magazine, and um, so close at the time, I'll give details on how you can um, access uh, that article. Um, that's something I'm looking forward to writing. And um, that's pretty much it from myself. How about yourself, Andy? Anything to plug? Uh, no, nothing for me at the moment. No, I'm uh, pretty quiet. So uh, I'm going away on holiday next week. So all my um, my efforts are going towards making sure uh, I've got everything ready for holiday. So there you go. Which means uh, I will... I will not be uh, not be around on the the uh, the podcast uh, the next couple of weeks on this podcast. So um, I, I I trust it will be in safe hands while I'm away though. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it will be. Um, I'll be joined uh, next week by a special guest, um, the uh, podcast hall himself, Guy Drinkle. So uh, looking forward to uh, joining Guy on next week's uh, pod to review. Um, NXT TakeOver, the WWE UK show, as well as Backlash. And um, after that, um, I'll be uh, disappearing as well uh, for slightly longer, um, taking in a, uh, an in-depth voyage of parts unknown uh, for the best part of uh, June. Um, so I won't be returning till July. So I think that means, Andy, that uh, you and I won't be speaking on this pod for a, a good six weeks or so. Um, but I'm sure that likewise, when I'm not around, It'll be in safe hands too. And, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> It'll be in safe hands. Whoever's whoever's at the wheel, this truck will keep on rolling. Don't you worry about that, folks. Don't you worry about the thing. Uh, I, I just I'll give us uh, all the more to look forward to the next time we speak more. Um, obviously, anything from more uh, from us. Self, anything you need to know will be uh, tweeted out from the account at pw underscore index if i can say that and and that's it that wraps up this um, edition of the pro wrestling index right here on the anfield index podcast channel so as always i want to uh, thank mochatra for joining me and we want to thank all of you the listeners for hitting that download button and uh, taking the time to listen to the show we really do appreciate it like we say uh many many times don't be afraid do get involved with us here uh, use the twitter handle at pw underscore index if you want to get in touch with us anything that you want to send our way thoughts um feedback uh, suggestions questions anything at all that's a place to do it but until next week um when it'll be more and guy taking the reins over from me for a couple of weeks it's uh, bye-bye from me Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. As a veteran, I live with health impacts from my service. VA healthcare means you're in 100% control of your own medical care, your own benefits, and it only takes minutes to set up. A veteran should enroll in VA healthcare because it ensures that they get quality, high-level care for the rest of their lives. My service was then. My benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.